Chattahoochee, copyright 2023, by Randy Cooper. All rights reserved. No parts of this podcast may be used or reproduced by any means without the expressed written permission of the author. Chattahoochee, Chapter 18. In the morning, I was at the Marriott near Perimeter Mall by 6 a.m. There I met Staff Sergeant Jean LaFoot, dressed in full desert camouflage. We shook hands and I walked up to the car as I told him of my experience stateside in the Marine Corps. He informed me of his two tours in Iraq, one in Afghanistan. He'd also been stationed in Germany and Korea. It struck me that to most people, his occupation seemed as strange as mine. When we arrived at the station, I recognized SWAT vehicles from Gwinnett, DeKalb, Henry, Cobb, and Paulding counties. It looked as if we were preparing for an invasion. This was going to be extremely difficult to keep quiet. I felt like an outsider when we entered the room. LeFoot was welcomed as the conquering hero that he was. He was greeted to a strong applause and a standing ovation. This was a different breed of cop in this room. I realize now why the Constitution protects its citizens. Because if these guys were your local police, you'd be scared like hell. I started the meeting with a mission overview that included a history of the case and the mission objectives. I outlined the sites that I had targeted for surveillance and gave each team authority to select a location at each site for maximum effectiveness. I turned the meeting over to LaFoot and let him run with it. Our SWAT commander had volunteered to take him to lunch and drop him off at the airport when they finished. Tyra came by and motioned me with her head to come out into the hall. I felt like my mom was calling me out at football practice. What? I asked when I got out to the hall. FedEx just dropped off Blaylock's military record. We bolted for our desks and took turns scanning, flipping pages, and reading aloud a Reader's Digest condensed version of Gary Blaylock's military career. We were nearing the end, and I was reading when I became silent, but continued. What? What? Tyra asked. I looked up. You'll never believe it. After a brilliant military career, on the fast track towards General, Blaylock's career came to a screeching halt when allegations surfaced of prisoner abuse, rape, and torture of civilians. There's also some stuff about conducting trials and summary executions of the suspected collaborators. I thought we'd find Gary Blaylock to be George Padden, and suddenly he became Genghis Khan. What do you think, Tyra asked. I think of all the people we talked to so far, this guy has the most experience with violence. Maybe he's dealing with flashbacks or post-traumatic stress syndrome. What about the sexual angle? It's not sexual. It's control. Stripping a prisoner is a common interrogation technique among less civilized people. It degrades, it shames, and humiliates the prisoner. For a soldier, removing the uniform strips him of his identity. Why wasn't he prosecuted for this by the military? Who were they going to get to testify? This guy was probably considered a hero by his men. This kind of stuff went on more than the army will ever admit. So they washed him out? No, but his chances of promotion were forever tarnished. He did the right thing by resigning, whether it was true or not. Do you want to go talk to him? as fast as we can. We also need to stop by the briefing room and let them know the suspect may have previous combat experience. 
When we asked for Gary Blaylock, the reception we received at Carazone Software was quite different than when we asked for Kozak or Miles. Do you have an appointment? The receptionist asked. No, I'm afraid we don't, Tyra answered. I was admiring the reception area. These guys are printing money. May I see a business card? The receptionist asked. I looked at Tyra. Show her your business card. We flipped our badges open in unison, and I thought the poor girl would fall out of the chair. Visibly upset, she frantically used the phone and whispered into it in a hushed tone. A small oriental woman came to meet us, who we guessed was Linda Chu from the list of the marketing department personnel we had had. We followed her through a maze of cubicles with well-dressed people, seemingly working diligently, and we arrived at the office of Gary Blaylock, Director of Marketing, as it was proclaimed by a plastic marker on the wall outside of his door. A man was just leaving his office. I heard a voice say, Thank you, Todd. Okay, so this guy is Todd Cravens. Blaylock stood as we entered. We introduced ourselves and shook hands. It was all very businesslike. He motioned for us to be seated. The reason we're here, Mr. Blaylock, is a case we're working on, I began. I see. How can I help you? Plead guilty and throw yourself on the mercy of the court. We have some questions we'd like to talk to you about. Sure, anything you need. Well, he seemed cooperative. I ran down all the usual stuff about Dan and Brewster's, the River House, times they left, and so on. It was time to get to the crux of the issue. Obviously, we think it's highly coincidental that the marketing department could be at two separate locations and have girls be abducted from those exact same locations and then subsequently murdered on the exact same date and approximate time in question. I can see how you could come to that conclusion. So we've been making background checks and conducting interviews. Is that so? Tyra is playing the bad cop. You'd be surprised at some of the things we've uncovered, Tyra began. Really? I felt as if he was playing very coy, pretty close to the vest with all these short answers. Really, she replied flatly, her gaze never wavering from him. We've uncovered some irregularities concerning your military service, I continued. Irregularities? His hairy eyebrows scrunched up. Yes, irregularities, Tyra responded. She was glaring at him now. We thought perhaps you could help us understand things from your point of view, I prodded. My point of view is that we were in a shitty situation. We were a conventional modern army fighting a guerrilla war. It wasn't working. I thought I did my duty and came home with two bronze stars and a purple heart. Tyra coughed. <clears throat> did you feel it was your duty to abuse POWs? Detective Washington... Do you have any idea of how our prisoners were being abused? They were tortured and starved to death, forced to live under primitive conditions, endure horrors that would break any man's spirit. She went on, Did you feel it was your duty to interrogate, torture, and execute civilians? Civilians? He was getting hot. In my opinion, there were few civilians. By day, they would go about their business 
wave to us, take our candy bars, and then we'd be repaid each night by them harboring the enemy and revealing our exact locations so they could strategically place targeted attacks on our positions. Did you feel it was your duty to torture and rape female civilians? Detective Washington, combat vets have an expression that I will reluctantly share with you. If you weren't there, shut the fuck up. I felt I needed to do something to see if I could bring some relevance to this. Mr. Blaylock, Gary, he answered to me. See, I'm the good cop. Gary, personally, I have a great deal of respect for veterans. You did the best you could under extremely difficult circumstances. I've reviewed your military record, and it appears you are an excellent officer. This is the building rapport we discussed earlier, which is a nice way to say I'm kissing his tail right before I kick him in the ass. You know some people, though, particularly guys that have returned from combat roles, sometimes they have problems that keep coming back long after they come home. The way that they deal with that manifests itself in many different ways, but particularly that they are unable to distinguish the acceptable use of violence in war with the unacceptable use of violence in the civilian world. If there's something you want to share with me, I think you'll find me to be very understanding and open-minded. We'd like to hear your side of the story. You've lost me, detective. Do you think I had anything to do with the death of these two girls? Tyra rallied. We're investigating that possibility. Well, this is just great. I'm the subject of another witch hunt. It's an investigation of which you were one of the subjects in that investigation. Jesus Christ, twice in my life I can't believe this is happening. Time for good cop again. Gary, if you were involved in any way, I can assure you if you cooperate, I'll go to bat for you. Tyra came back with the bad cop. The DA has already stated he will be seeking the death penalty in this case. As tears began to well up in his eyes, my hopes for an arrest were lifted. All of a sudden it made sense to me. He was still troubled from the war. When he was killing these girls by the river, he was really back in combat in his mind. He began to speak. Come on, Gary. I urged him on. You'll feel better talking about it. I just feel so bad. Oh, God. He really did do it. Sometimes I just feel so bad I want to kill myself. You have no idea what it's like walking around with a monster inside of you. Tyra was dumbfounded. I wanted to hear more. Go on. It started and I just didn't know how to stop it. Every morning I'd wake up and wonder what the hell happened last night. The news never got it right. Nobody understood what was going on, the pressure I was under. I did what I felt like I had to do. I'll carry the guilt of that to my grave. Tell us what happened, Gary, I begged him. Tell us so we can understand. I didn't even know what was going on. Uh-huh, I nodded. I'd wake up in the morning and hear the reports. Yeah? Come on already, they build automobiles faster than this guy can tell a story. There wasn't anything I could do to stop it. Right? It was out of control. What did you do, Gary? Tyra asked. She couldn't stand any more of this than I could. I didn't do anything. That's the problem, he screamed. I couldn't. 
I looked at him confused. I had my lieutenants and staff NCOs investigating what was happening, but they couldn't or wouldn't find anything. It was horrible. Huh? I asked. I was responsible, you see. It was my command. Those were my troops, and they were behaving like savages. I put the word out that if I found out who it was, I'd kill him myself, and I swear I would have. Yes, the enemy broke every rule of war. Hell, we were in a war where there were no rules. But if you lose your humanity, what have you won? What are we teaching these people? That we're no better than the insurgents? No wonder why they hated us. No wonder why they stabbed us in the back. But try to explain that to a guy who just lost his best friend. Try to explain that to someone with a maturity level of an 18-year-old kid. That was it. I was the leader of children. They called them grown men, but most had never even held a full-time job. Let me tell you something. Soldiers don't fight for politics, oil, or land. You know what a soldier fights for? He fights for his buddy. Even if he doesn't want to go on, he knows his buddies are counting on him. So he keeps going. And when that buddy is killed right in front of him, blown to bits, pieces of human flesh, organs, bones splattered all over you, what do you think happens in the mind of that young man? Insanity, rage, uncontrolled hatred. There's no commanding that. Hell, you're lucky if you can direct it at the enemy instead of your officer corps. I did the best I could, but my best wasn't good enough. Innocent people were tortured, killed, mutilated, and yes, raped. If I knew, as God is my witness, I would have done a field court martial and executed them on the spot. But I swear to you, I never knew who was responsible. I swear to you. He laid his head on his desk, crying, a broken heap of a man. By the time we got back to the office, I was dying for a cigarette. I try not to smoke with Tyra in the car, so I headed to the smoking area when she went upstairs. My cell phone rang as I was lighting a cigarette. I looked at my smartwatch and it was Sally Bisher. Sally had been calling ever since we found the body yesterday and I'd really been meaning to call her back. Sally, I'm so sorry, I began. You damn right you're sorry. Sorry, son of a bitch, that's what you are. It sounded like she might be a little miffed at me. Now, Sally, be nice. Craig, I'm waiting on payday, and I don't see it coming. Trust me, Sally, it's coming, I assured her. Give me something. I don't have anything to give you right now. If she only knew what was going on, she'd be furious with me. Craig, use your imagination, she pleaded. How about sources close to the investigation say an arrest is pending? An arrest? I love it. Call me? And she hung up. Of course, I said, not even realizing that the call had already ended. I headed upstairs after darkness fell and found Tyra. Come on, let's go for a ride. You're driving. She shrugged and we got into her Kia Soul. It was practically brand new. It still smelled like it anyway. The bright paint job was just gorgeous. I explained that I wanted to visit each of the stakeout sites and search for signs of our SWAT teams. By the third site, I was convinced they had all taken the evening off and were probably somewhere drinking and telling war stories. We even checked for radio silence. These guys were super disciplined. This was going to work. I had to believe it. When we finished, 
We were going by Toys R Us when I yelled out, Oh, please stop there. She looked at me as if I had sprouted horns, but stopped anyway, and laughed when I came out with an Xbox. New hobby, she asked. One I should have taken up a long time ago, I smiled. That night when I got home, I cooked one of my prepared dinners and realized that this isn't rocket science. Maybe I just needed a few pointers. I did 20 minutes of jumping jacks and hopped in the shower. After putting on my pajama bottoms and t-shirt evening wear, I went surfing to Amazon.com. I downloaded the Kindle app and then bought Cooking for Dummies, which I thought was highly appropriate, and another one called Recipes for Men Who Can't Cook. Again, highly appropriate. I set up the Xbox and got it working, but realized it would be better to have a teacher guide me through the rest of the way. So I decided to wait for Timothy to show me the ropes. I started channel surfing and watched a Peloton infomercial. That was all she wrote. I soon parted with the rest of my hard-earned savings account. I returned to my computer to check the email I bypassed in my haste to order cooking books and found two of the five ladies had accepted my offer to date, one scheduled a date for the following Friday night. I couldn't wait for my visit with Patricia tomorrow to tell her I had not one, but two dates for the weekend. Damn satisfied with the new and improved Craig Dvorak, I went to bed so I could be fully rested and prepared for the next day.